0: sitting there on the sofa watching Peter see the Griffins be total morons funny guys used as Seth M's chess pawns. I say yes sir the rest was just a blur and Peter farts on Megan Lois throws up her dinner Stewie claps, Brian is a little pissed Mom's telling me to go to bed I'm begging, no, no, no Then I said, mommy don't make me I love the talking fat man Ten more minutes, so much can happen in that span I'll watch the dog and funny talking baby Family Guy's my favorite, please let me watch it, man. Stairs to the family room and turn the channel back to good old adult swim light up my eyes all my favorite family guys cause they were doing chicken fights in Conway Twitty laughing so hard wake up my mom at 2.30 now I'm crying on the staircase wailing about the Griffins So I said, Mommy, don't make me. Chris has got a talking zit and an evil monkey. Laugh so hard my side split. I love this show. Don't care if it's the final straw. Family Guy's my favorite. Please let me watch it, would ya? Mommy, don't make me me, I love the talking fat man. Ten more minutes, so much can happen in that span. I'll watch the dog and funny talking baby. Family Guy's my favorite, please let me watch it, maybe. Oh, 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 oh. oh. The show was on Hulu.com, as long as I was quiet. Mom would have no reason to qualm, and I said, Hulu website, take me to Quahog Road Island, show me wacky inflatable arm flailing tube, man am I being too loud, I can't even tell, mom is knocking on my door. I am going straight to hell. You don't understand, Mom. They're doing Cleveland's bathtub gag. I love you, but I also love the talking gag. I talk to Dad, and he thinks I'm old enough for it. It's Family Guy, Mom. Sit with me and watch it. This guy's name is Joe, and he's always yelling.
1: All right. Okay. That was, that was, was, was there a little bit of of biography, of autobiography in that parody song? Um,
0: yes. (laughs) No, actually, but uh, I was not allowed to watch Family Guy for a long time. Actually, the one that I was allowed to watch latest in my life was South Park. That was the one that was off limits for the longest. I don't think I was allowed to watch that until I was like 15.
1: Oh, okay. I was never allowed to watch Family Guy, but I was. I found ways to watch South Park, you know? It, I'm sure if I asked for permission to watch South Park, it would not have been allowed at, like, at all. But either, like, that one was like, big with my friends we'd watch it uh at their house or you they were pretty like the creators i feel matt and trey matt parker trey stone close personal friends of the show i was just about to say you
0: said you just talked about them like you know those motherfuckers
1: yeah uh they like it was pretty easy to just like find that show on the internet so i watched it a lot in high school which uh i think explains a
0: lot they had south park studios which literally just was like a flash player that you could yeah. watch every episode that had been made up until that point. And I would actually do the same thing during like, you know, you're you're a different generation than I am, but during the summers uh when my yeah. mom was at work. Well, you're older and yeah, you're older than me. Um, which is
1: fine. Yeah. I don't care that you're older than me. By the no, way. No, I don't either. I, no, I don't I know you don't. I don't either. It doesn't make it. I don't
0: think you're a less of you that you're older. I
1: don't. Than no, 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 no. I don't listen. I, I don't think you're any like less intelligent because you were. No, born, I don't think that uh, you have forty like, years less after I was.
0: Just because you're yeah. older than me, I don't think that you're like decrepit yeah, yeah, and yeah. gross looking or anything. I mean,
1: they they say boomers aren't funny, but I feel like I'm kind of the exception that proves the rule on that one.
0: Not gonna touch that one, even with a ten foot pole. Anyway, so uh, my mom <laughs> would go to work during the summers, and I would be in like what fourth grade, even.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: And I would just watch the show on South Park Studios, even though I was explicitly told that show was off-limits. And rightfully yeah. so for a 10-year-old, I think, truthfully. Uh, yeah,
1: it's amazing that you're not, like, more fucked up because you watched that show at 10 years old. I don't think I touched that show until I was at least in high school, like freshman year of high school, 13, 14.
0: Yeah, I feel like freshman year of high school is, like, the perfect time to start watching South Park, because it's, like, it's, like crazy enough to the point where it's like whoa this is like blowing my mind but it's also not like yeah you're not over it yet because i don't know i watch South yeah. park now or i have watched episodes recently where it's like i'm fucking over this shit i do not give a fuck about what kyle's it seems like anymore.
1: a ba- it's it, it yeah like uh um, it, like animated shows have a certain shelf life and they stop getting good after a certain point it's pretty universal like I, that's family fine. guy i hear that's fine it's okay Cheap, i don't care make- i don't
0: care i don't care that the simpsons is unwatchable now and really <laughs> depresses me to think about and watch
1: that's fine well, with to me. be fair to be fair they're too busy um making just another uh exceptional season of disenchanted to focus to to focus too much time on on the simpsons
0: sometimes the pot boils sometimes sometimes you have too many pots boiling <laughs> sometimes sometimes you just have too many pots on the stove and you have to focus on it disenchanted instead of the simpsons i get that yeah. yeah 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 i'm not mad no i'm just it just pisses me off at the end of the day yeah
1: yeah uh it it, I, it seems like a lot of things piss you off but i don't want to this is not the uh this is not the the therapy hour uh i was going to say um i have actually so i'm in my childhood bedroom because i have to be back in the suburbs for work this week folks um and i was hoping that i didn't get rid of it and i have not I'm looking at it right now Uh, But I had a Like a Metal mechanical bender That I got at one point Like bender from Futurama Actually let me just Let me just get that guy Real quick Um, There's so much shit In my room now Uh, But he had this uh, Oh hell yeah
0: Could you put like Pez or something in him Like did something Go inside of him
1: No that's like The the mechanical Kind of part of it He would like You would like Wind him up And he moved Um, That's cool I don't have the key That makes him move anymore He's very dusty (laughs) Um, and also, like, sometime shortly after I got him, this, like, um, uh, uh, the, the, his, like, kind of chest piece, his chest plate always is, is always open. It just, like, won't close. It's not supposed to be open like He's that.
0: He's trying to but. show you his cold metal heart. trying to share that yeah. with
1: you. Yeah.
0: I'm trying to share his shiny metal ass with you.
1: Toss your dirty shoes in Bender's cold mechanical heart. Baby, let it up inside Uh, that's a great song I was listening to that song earlier today and I'm like damn Mitski you really that's just a that's just a tremendous song you wrote there is that a what what song is that I don't know that song Washing Machine Heart by Mitski I don't know it it's off of Be the Cowboy someone is it really Shh, shh. bow meow, 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 bow 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 me. toss meow. my dirty shoe toss your dirty shoes in my washing machine heart baby bag it up inside i'm not wearing my usual lipstick i thought maybe we would kiss tonight baby oh yeah close my eyes i know who you pretend i am i know who you pretend I am, Do me <laughs> We got Rudy Giuliani on the pod today, folks. <laughs> 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 <coughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, sorry, Mason. Sorry, Mason. I did not resist. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> Welcome to it's on the fart with with, with and everybody. It's stinky! here Stinky. Oh,
0: boy. Oh, man. We are just wide open now.
1: Uh, oh. This is, what Sunday, this is what a Sunday record will do to you. This I was just thinking that. I was you.
0: like, normally, peek, peek behind the iron curtain of production. Creak slam. Uh-oh, got my toe caught in there. Fuck. Gonna have to have, <laughs> have surgery. <laughs> normally, Mason and I record on Mondays. This week, we're recording on a Sunday. Yeah. Is that fine? Yeah. yeah. Yes, that's fine. Yes, doesn't matter to me. That's, yes, 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 it's fine. But I was thinking, I'm like, it's a little bit more of like a like a Sunday feel right now in the in the in the stew. Yeah. So yeah. I was thinking that I was genuinely thinking that it's not a bad thing. I'm not pissed. Yeah. It's fine. Neither am I. No, neither am I. It's all good. Um, Mason, we forgot to talk about it last week uh, when Ryan was on the show. Thank you again, Ryan Kenny, for joining us. What a great Thank episode you, Jeff. that was. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I forgot to congratulate you Mason Last week mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. When it was more A little more timely But congratulations to you And to me actually For winning an Emmy For this podcast At the yeah. Emmys. That's right
1: yeah. We won best actor At the Emmys For this podcast For a limited series For a limited series Yes <laughs>
0: And we weren't we couldn't be there, obviously, for right. m- a lot of reasons. Um, yeah, but it was awesome to win an Emmy for this podcast. It was
1: yeah, uh, my reason why I couldn't attend the Emmy ceremony is because I was um, zippering uh, zippering my pants and my shirt got stuck in the zipper and I couldn't get it out and I didn't want to show up uh, with like my little shirt poking out of my zipper like that It'd be, I'd be too embarrassed. so I elected to stay home and uh, have an agent accept the award on on my behalf. Uh, Noah, what was your reason again why you didn't uh, show up to the ceremony last week? Because two I, fl- weeks ago whenever it was? I flew
0: out to help you with the shirt thing because it was That's an emergency. Right. That's right. You texted me 911 urgent with three fire emojis and I called you and you said, I need you to fly out to Chicago right now. I'll explain everything. You have to pay your own way. I'm not letting you stay in my apartment. Yeah, said, no yeah, problem, yeah, yeah. buddy. And, I would yeah. do fucking anything for you even if it majorly inconvenienced me both on a schedule level and a financial level. So I flew out actually on the red eye, if you can even mm-hmm. call it a red eye hmm Because it's not East Coast to West Coast or West Coast to East Coast. It's fucking Chicago. It's,
1: right in the, it's smack dab in the middle of the country. It is right there. So why call it a red eye if it's not yeah. the red eye, you know? Yeah. You should have called it the red guy because you were so mad that you you turned into a big old tomato. Like, your face, you're just like, this whole the whole time.
0: I closed the farting. I would have thought I would have been a moment to bring the <laughs> farting back, but... I closed it do you, so want me to, he... do you want me to
1: say that again so that you can get it, it the proper? Yeah, hold on. Okay, say it again. Yeah, they, they should have called it the uh the red guy uh because you were so mad your face was turning <laughs> red. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: I'm sorry, Mason. I couldn't hear, couldn't oh, hear oh, you. <laughs> I couldn't hear you over the sound of my ass.
1: What were you saying, <laughs> Mason? <laughs> uh, just it was an honor to be nominated and congrats. Yeah, and it's a great. It, to be yeah, it, yeah, it just it was great to be nominated. It was great to be. Um, you know, it's uh, awesome to
0: just be invited. The-
1: it is in Boston to be invited and given, like the um uh uh the talent that we are up against for the award. I I just really feel so so blessed and honored that the uh, Television Arts Academy gave us that um gave, bestowed upon us that 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 award. It's truly um it's truly a tremendous privilege. Shut up!
0: Honor, Shut but... the fuck up! We got a show to do. We
1: do. <laughs> Shut up! We have a show
0: to do today. Okay. Hmm. Mason. mm Hmm. I think you picked this album, right?
1: You are goddamn right. I picked this album. Uh, <laughs> this sounded like
0: you it on your end for real. It did. I'm sitting in
1: a. I'm sitting in a like a, a cushiony chair. I'm going to move from that so that doesn't sound like I'm farting. Uh, this whole record here. Ground show record. Let's go, Mason. Um, floor mode activated. Boom. Floor mode activated, uh, folks. Folks, this is uh, the album. This week was the Mason choice, and it's been one I've wanted to take on the show. I think almost since the beginning, and we have technically, we have covered another work by this artist, Um, that's right, it is Warren Zevon's self-titled 1976 album, Warren Zevon, Warren Zevon. Love it. Hell yeah. But uh, yeah, so we covered uh, Excitable Boy on the show last year, Uh, his technically third album, but his No, not last
0: year, my friend, 2019. Two years...
1: 2019, two years ago, Christ. um, Yeah, 2019, almost two years of this fucking shit. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, but, um, but, yeah, so, Excitable Boy has the more, um, uh, kind of, uh, it has Werewolves of London on it, and if anyone knows one Warren Zevon song, it's Werewolves of London, and I would be hard-pressed to expect that that person would know that that is a Warren Zevon song. They probably just know Oh, Werewolves of London, Little Old Lady Got Mutilated Late Last Night, Ow, this, that, and the other thing. Um, and this album here, Warren Zevon, self-titled, um, well, here is my question. Noah, did you have... What? So, you know that I love Warren Zeevon. I've been wanting to bring this this album on the show for a while. But listening to it, had you heard, did any of the songs sound familiar to you when you were listening to this album? or do you have any other kind of context for it before um, listening to it for the show this week?
0: Uh, so obviously, like you said, Mason, we talked about uh, Excitable Boy. It was one of the first 10 episodes we did. It was in yeah. episode six. We also covered yeah. Yearbook by Bernardo Brito and the David Gordon Green film George Washington in that episode. A-
1: that is actually one of our most listened to episodes, oddly enough, like on the metrics cool. on SoundCloud. Yeah, it's real. I I think it's cool.
0: I think it's cool. I think it's got swag. <laughs> I think it's got swag. <laughs> That's a thing. Mason's sticking his leg up in the air. Um, yeah, uh, Warren Zevon is fine, ultimately, for me. I don't really go out of my way to listen to Warren Zevon prior to listening to this. Album, I think I was relatively lukewarm on Excitable Boy when we covered it. If we... Mm-hmm. If our show had its shit together the way it does now (laughs) at the time, uh, I'd probably give it a conditional recommend, maybe a light recommend, probably. Mm -hmm. Just very lukewarm on the album sort of as a whole. Obviously, Werewolves in London being the signature Warren Zevon track for all folks. (laughs) So, when you said we were going to do this, I said, okay, fine. Wasn't too hyped on it, but also wasn't like dreading it either. And Mason, I love this album, Mason. I love this album. It's so good, Mason.
1: Really good. That is what I want to hear. That is what you want to hear. That is what I want to hear. Oh, I, um, I'm so happy to hear that because there was still a slight part of me that was concerned that this album wouldn't hit, but each time that I re-listened to it for this show I was like I kind of had the same uh, um reaction as when I was re-listening to Clues for that particular episode where I'm like if Noah doesn't like this fucking album I am gonna make a problem because <laughs> yeah. this is like you know I we've covered two of like I think my all-time favorite albums on the show the, one of them being Magnolia Electrico and so you know this album in particular, re-listening to it, I'm like, no, this is, like, kind of a, a perfect album for me. This is, like, one of my favorite, 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 like, top ten Desert Island kind of albums. Um, I had not... I just To kind of rehash my history with with Z-Von, um, my dad was really big into Warren Zvon when I was a kid, and um he would play like accidentally like a murder in the car or um i think even hasten down the wind um definitely french inhaler of all songs to play in Weird. the car he would play with he would play yeah cuz i just remember him singing along to the all these people harmony um and i didn't really get into Warren's zevon until Uh, And this album in particular until 2016 when I was living in Los Angeles and doing a lot of driving around and kind of experiencing that city for the first time. And this is one of my favorite just albums about Los Angeles, kind of top to bottom. I think it's – and not even like – Yes, he references Hollywood, he references Echo Park, he references Gower Avenue, but aside from those references, this is just such an album, a great album to me about, like, how, like, dreams and myths and, and myth-making and this kind of, like, the intoxication of being in, in that city and what it can kind of um, uh, uh, animate in you and that kind of feeling. Um And... I I I love this album so much. I I I I it's um, well, I love this album so much. I kind of want you to start with it, with like your first impressions and your sort of experience going through this. Um, so putting it on, Frank and Jesse James starts. What are you thinking? No. What are you feeling?
0: Uh, I'm thinking, hmm. Uh, no. <laughs> I'm just sort of going like. Okay, maybe, maybe. I'm sort of just thinking about, like, do I, is this going to be more of the same of what I'm used to? Because it does have mm. a little bit of the excitable boy spirit. I think that song does a little bit more where it's a little bit more, like, not downtrodden, but just a little bit more, like, storytelling-y. Like very, yeah, like, very narrative. This is about yeah. these guys, you know? yeah. Very narrative, which a lot of Excitable Boy I remember being. I actually re listened to Excitable Boy as well, just to see if I still feel lukewarm about it. Uh, and I kind of do, to be honest with you, on the whole. Mm-hmm. Um, but Frankie Jesse James definitely got some great piano in that track. Definitely got some great. Uh, I mean, he just sounds good. Like, he just sounds like confident, like singing about these guys. Uh, and then as the album continues, Mama Couldn't Be Persuaded, Backs Turned, Looking Down the Path. I'm just like into this album. I'm like just vibing with everything. I think it's got a great fuller sound uh, than Excitable Boy does. I think that this is a very lush sounding album, a very like full sound as opposed to Excitable Boy, which to me feels a little bit more like Guy at the Piano from what I can remember, Mm. uh, just sort of howling away. This feels like a fuller production. And I think I really appreciated the fact that this feels uh, like a little bit more of like a show. Almost. Like, I feel like this, like, I could imagine seeing this album done top to bottom in concert. You know, like, that's sort of the feeling that I get from this album, just as the whole. Uh, Hasten Down the Wind, Mason, I can't Mm -hmm. believe that song is not an all-time classic, to be totally honest with you. That song is so beautiful. That song is so serene and so touching and just so poetic and lyrical that I'm actually... I didn't run this by you beforehand. Uh, I want to kind of create almost a new category based on this mm, song. Because okay. Because this, or a new award, I should say, or a new thing uh, when we talk mm. about music specifically. Because I'm so surprised that this song did not have sort of a greater breakthrough success. Because to me, this is almost like candle in the wind style, like songwriting. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah.
1: That's that's so. This is a candle in the wind award or something like that, or what's the no
0: no no? I want to just call it the hasten down the winds award or hasten down the wind award. Uh,
1: Interesting. Well, the the interesting thing about you need to let me fucking finish
0: what I'm saying, okay? What I'm saying is it's the track on the album that is the most underrated track on the album because to me it is it is kind of preposterous that this song. Does not have like more of a following. This is preposterous to me that this song is like not talked about in terms of like his greatest songs. So the yeah, Down just, the wind award for me. Right, that's what just, I'm
1: thinking. He's another winner. I I like that. I I support that. Here's the thing about that song in particular. It was um, it was recorded initially by Linda Ronstadt, and yeah. she had an album that came out in. 1976, as well titled Hasten Down the Wind. And Ron Stant was a song, a, a singer who really, really liked Warren's Yvonne and covered a number of his songs. And the studio album that was on actually peaked at number three on the US Billboard 200 in uh, 1976. I am seeing here. Uh, and I was listening to earlier today, um, I was listening to his um, live record excuse me stand in the fire and he starts uh he ends his set playing hasten down the wind um and he says something to the effect of um and he's he's so funny he said something like he like um was like he wrote this when he was like broke starving and screwed up and now he's only screwed up you know um yeah and this song and uh it's because it was um recorded by linda ronstant He uh, it kind of boosted his career at a time when he really needed it. Um, I don't know how much you're going to get into it with the fast facts, but Warren Zevon was a guy that kind of started, he released an album, he had a really early start as a songwriter. Uh, one of his songs, um, he actually had a song in the movie Midnight Cowboy, um, and uh, off of his first album, Wanted Dead or Alive. And Wanted Dead or Alive is actually not that great of an album. Uh, unfortunately, doesn't really have the kind of Zvon Juj in it. Uh, the song is She Quit Me, but in Midnight Ra- Midnight Cowboy, rather, it's He Quit Me. Uh, and he kind of had like a wilderness period where he was like doing session work and, and studio and uh, session work and, and live performances and spent some time in Spain before returning to Los Angeles to record um, this album. And, that's. I feel like that's somewhat of his his legacy in like I guess the wider sort of um, the wider culture is this like kind of wandering like songwriter type in the '70s, and if you look at the personnel on this this album, it is absolutely insane the um, the collaborators that he has here. Yeah, it's so basically most works. of
0: the Eagles
1: yeah most of the Eagles Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks Jackson Brown produced the album and recorded uh and uh was uh on the tracks as well uh Phil Everly of the Everly Brothers um who also was Bonnie Raitt uh does some um backup vocals on Mohammed's radio uh JD Souther who was the um inspiration for the Judy Sill song Jesus Was a Crossmaker shows up in this album as well um But aside from like the personnel involved in this, I lush and sort of full is the best, um, description that I can think of. And you're absolutely like, you're absolutely right to say that. And I 100% agree with it. Um, there's not a lot of songs from this period that I think have the sort of, uh, you're welcome, have the sort of, um, just, um, scope that eat like a song like Frank and Jesse James have, or even the French and like Frank and Jesse James, like it's storytelling narrative or even something like the French inhaler, which I think might be my favorite song on the album after this go through, even though I absolutely love this entire album. Um, I love how nasty and funny, uh, the French inhaler is, but I also like that it kind of, there's a story to it where it's all about his, um, him, uh, uh uh i lost my thought there um uh, i think you're absolutely right about hasten down the wind uh i wrote the lyrics down he's she's hanging on to half a heart but he can't help the restless part and he tells her to hasten down the wind but i think that like the kind of the the line that always knocks me out when i listen to that song is she's so many women he can't find the one who was his friend and it's that sort of the character on this album that shows up like thematically about just being unable to connect with women in particular. (laughs) And Zivon was a guy that uh, had a number of marriages. Um, The French Inhaler is actually written about his longtime girlfriend and and mother of his son, Jordan, (laughs) Um, Thule Thule Livingston. Damn. Um, And what I kind of take away from this album, it's kind of, you know, self-mythologizing, and I think uh, in a way, but it's also about like uh, regret and and disappointment and being just down and out and at your absolute worst. And I kind of hear this album almost like and the experience of listening to it for for me top to bottom. You know, you start off with Frank and Jesse James. You have that great piano theme that starts and then returns at the end uh, for uh, with Desperados Under the Eaves, which also fucking love that song. Um, uh, it's kind of like to me an album or song cycle about like dreams and regrets and stuff like that. And then at the very end of the album, you're, you're up and you're in Los Angeles and you kind of haven't worked anything out and you're up and you're alcoholic and your hands is shaking and you can't find anyone that understands you. Uh, And you're just sitting. It just to end the album with, um, I was sitting in the Hollywood Hawaiian Hotel. I was listening to the air conditioner hum, and then writing a song about the sound that, or writing like a melody about the sound of that, um, that that radiator. It just, it just gets me right in my fucking heart, man. And it just makes me, just brings me to tears almost any time that I hear it because I just think it's so beautiful and so personal and so. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily profound, but it feels very human in a way that you know, you just, you just. Feel fuck up and you just keep going and you keep if you're Warren Zevon you just keep making songs and you keep writing it's um it's i just it's absolutely incredible and i'm glad that it was this album um resonated with you at least more than Excitable Boy did and some of the other contemporary albums i've brought on from this period in the last couple of weeks wink wink <laughs> uh
0: yeah <laughs> yeah uh this is a really good album uh, I think you said some good stuff there. Uh, I also think we have a really bad connection, uh, on Zoom. Can you hear me?
1: <laughs> yeah, you're coming through just fine on my side, again. So I think this is all me, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they just got a bad, we just got a bad delay. Okay, just, we know that now. Um, Poor, Poor, Pitiful Me, I always thought was a Ron Stant original, uh, so I'm surprised, was very surprised to find out that it is actually a Warren Zevon original, uh, Muhammad's radio was also covered by Ron Stant, and Carmelita was also covered by Ron Stant. I didn't realize how much of her early career uh, she is indebted to Warren Zevon. actually, in terms yeah. of some of those songs that make her uh, kind of the person that she is. I'm not a huge Linda Ron Stant fan by any means. Mm-hmm. I actually remember in Feb of 2020, when I listened to a new album every single day, her album, I don't not re- fucking remember the name of the album that I listened to of hers, but I listened to an album of hers, and it was actually toward the bottom uh, of the heap in terms of albums from that month that I listened to. Um, so I'm not a huge Linda Ronstadt person, but mm-hmm. uh, she obviously, you know, saw something in Warren Zevon that not a lot of other people were seeing at the time, which kind of makes her epic as fuck, uh, yeah. you know, for en- enlisting him in the songwriting and, uh, sort of configuration of some of these tracks because his version of Poor, Poor, Pitiful Me fucking rocks. Listening to that song yep. when you are driving, my man. Yeah, Ooh-wee. dude. Ooh, wee. Ooh, wee, Rick. <laughs> Ooh, wee, Mr. Meeseeks. We're listening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we are listening to some fucking good music. Same with Muhammad's Radio. And here's something that maybe will flip your lid a little bit, Mason. Mm-hmm. Uh, the song. Carmelita, mm-hmm. when I first listened to it I didn't like mm-hmm. it very much I actually found it to be uh a little bit out of s- out of like style with the rest of the album it felt like a little bit of like like it didn't feel like it fit almost like with the whole album uh that mm-hmm. was my kind of initial reaction to it and then I listened to the album again and I enjoyed it way more actually maybe like tied for the most the second time I around to listen to it and I actually, on the whole, when I listened to the album the second time, I was not as into it as the first time. And then I listened to it right again before we started recording. And I was like, oh no, this album is fucking awesome. This album is so fucking good. It's like top to bottom bangers. But I will say, I'll Sleep When I'm Dead is the lone sore spot for me on the album. Mm-hmm. I would, you took that song out of the yeah. album. I would say that this passes the McGuire sniff that song is keeping it back from me for giving it the Maguire sniff, but it's not like detrimental to the album as a whole. I just don't like sure. it. Sure.
1: Ultimately at the end Sure. Of the
0: I just don't like the way it sounds. And I think it kind of is, doesn't fit with everything else either.
1: I, that song is the most like, um, the word that I have in my notes for that song is just stubborn. And that's, I think that that is the, I think that it sort of, it, 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 it I appreciate that. And I, don't know if I necessarily agree just because I, for me personally, this is a McGuire uh, sniff pass here. Uh, I could not see losing any song. I would be tempted to say, join me in LA before re-listening to it for the pod here. But I really like how that um, song kind of eases you out of the uh, first, the the nine tracks that precede it. And then uh, kind of start to wake you up into you know, Desperados under the eaves there. But, uh, uh, to get back to I'll sleep when I'm dead. I can, it does stand out the most because it's not as I think open sounding, you know, as the other ones. Um, it's sure. very, um, it, it's very driving with its rhythm. It's very, uh, uh, like I said, stubborn, but I think that that, that atmosphere and just that, that stubborn I'll sleep when I'm dead, uh, is one, such a great line. <laughs> Saturday night I wanna sleep in li- cause a little home I sleep and I'm dead Boo, new, 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 new. I think that that is... I I love that that energy that that song um has uh just the just the pounding the fucking pavement pounding the concrete and just getting through another fucking day kind of um feeling that it has like just uh or not even like getting through another day but just like um having a good time uh maybe despite what you want you know like just getting yourself sure. um you know through your your evening i've definitely had evenings and nights where i i go out and i get super drunk and i'm like i can keep up with this i can keep this energy going up <laughs> oh, man i will sleep and sure, i'm dead yeah, yeah. uh and you're kind of at that point inviting harm almost. And I love just the the, the bravado and the, the the braggadociousness of just, I'll sleep when I'm fucking dead, man. Like, I don't care. That's, there's actually like, um, I didn't, uh, that's one of the many Warren Zevon songs that became titles for movies. I remember seeing, um, when I was a kid, I'm sure I talked in this podcast, I watched, went to apple.com slash trailers a lot and just watched trailers for every movie that was coming out. Yeah, and, like, maybe yeah 2000 probably two to 2007 i would say Uh was probably the golden eight maybe four through seven uh, 2004 through seven and there was a clive owen movie that came out called i'll sleep and i'm dead and i remember being a kid and thinking that's such a stupid title and then hearing the song as a as a young adult Damn. and being no nah, this is cool man this is what living's all about Let's see.
0: I got it right here. Uh, "I'll Sleep When I'm Dead" is a 2003 British crime film directed by Mike Hodges, from the screenplay by Trevor Preston. The film bears striking resemblance to Hodges' directorial debut, the 1971 crime classic "Get Carter." Oh, so maybe it's like a spiritual successor, almost, or like a or like a spirit, or like a maybe not a spiritual, maybe spiritual successor is the right word. I don't fucking know. I've never seen "Get Carter." I've never seen "I'll Sleep When I'm Dead." I've never even fucking heard of it to be totally honest with you i have a hard time believing that Warren zevon invented the phrase i'll sleep when i'm dead i don't think that was him who invented that phrase but i oh you don't I, I think that do. he's
1: in the you don't think he's in the uh, the quotes dictionary for i'll sleep when i'm dead
0: Uh, The film received mixed reviews and spots a 44% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. However, Roger Ebert gave the film three and a half out of four stars, saying, quote, There is a tangible pleasure in following enigmatic characters through the shadows of their lives. Deprived for a time of plot, given characters who are not clearly labeled and assigned moral categories, uh, were allowed to make judgments based on their manner and their speech. That's what he said. And he gave it three and a half stars out of four. So... I love yeah. when he bucks convention
1: and just goes absolutely buck wild in a review like, like that. Like when he gives four stars to the Nicolas Cage movie knowing like that is just, that is the, that is the Raj that we know and love.
0: Yeah. We might be talking about him later cause I don't, we'll just, okay, we'll, we'll get to that when we get to that. Um, but, <laughs> uh, it's a great album. Uh, the piano, he's an amazing piano player. The production on this album is pretty amazing. You know, all things considered, like you said, Jackson Brown is credited basically as the producer of this album and drop what is what are we calling that song to desperados under the eaves to me that is basically a jackson brown song sung by warren Zevon. like to mm-hmm. me they're almost two sides of the same coin and i definitely grew up more on the jackson brown side of things than i did the warren Zevon side of things even though neither of my parents really gave a shit about either i just happen to gravitate toward jackson brown a little yeah. bit more I think your bright baby blues is one of the most beautiful songs ever written in the history of the world. I think that is like one of the most romantic, beautiful songs ever. Do
1: you know that song? I'm actually not familiar with that song, but I'll cue up some Jackson Brown for some post pod listening. Uh, I really do like Jackson Brown as well. And when I was younger, um, I I also uh, gravitate. I listened to a decent amount of Jackson Brown growing up uh i remember like <laughs> uh i listened to so much jackson brown that like when i was i was working a a, a pa job in in la in may of 2019 and every time a, a, each night when we were finishing loading up i would just have the song the Loadout" going through my head and we'll finish up and do it again um <laughs> you know yeah how much Great song. You,
0: i listened to so much jackson brown growing up how much jackson brown did you listen to I listened to so much Jackson Brown that I played the loadout in my head when I was working a PA job in May of 2019.
1: Brap, 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 brap.
0: Brap. Brap. Shooting your fucking Uzi out of the car as you drive by my, my house now in yep. LA. Braps. <laughs> get up. Get out here. Just fucking beating the shit out of me in front of my fucking gate. That doesn't work. Um... Mason, I think we should do some fucking fast facts. Yeah, let's do it. Do that shit. Uh, There is a lot to know about Warren Zevon, so there is a little more fast facts here than usual. However, Mm -hmm. this is not everything. This is not the compendium on Warren Zevon. I would highly encourage anyone who is interested by this, who doesn't know a lot about him, to go out and read... Just anything they can. Like I said, this is what I thought was the highlights, like the bare minimum highlights, and there is a lot because he was a very interesting man. But this is not everything, so shut the fuck up. (laughs) Don't ask me, not you, just anyone. All right. Okay. Warren Williams Yvonne was an American rock singer, songwriter, and musician, most famously known for Werewolves in London, Lawyers, Guns, and Money, and and Roland the Headless Thompson Gunner. All of which are featured on Excitable Boy, which Mason and I covered very early on in this show's history. Episode six, uh, the LA days, where we would sit in front of one snowball mic in the hottest apartment I've ever been in and Mm -hmm. have people blast what I believe is mariachi music right next door. Pretty sure that ended up on many recordings of us. Very awesome days recording in that apartment. Um... Fond memories. He also wrote major hits that were recorded <laughs> by other artists, including Poor, Poor, Pitiful Me, Accidentally Like a Martyr, "Muhammad's Radio, Carmelita, and ha- ha- are we saying Hassan or Hasten Down the Wind? How do we say that?
1: Hasten Down the Wind. She'll, uh, hey. told us hasten Down the Wind. Yeah, Hasten Down the Wind.
0: Hasten Down the Wind. Uh, and also, I think that I'm going to dub that award instead of the Hasten Down the Wind Award, which I think is a little bit too much of a mouthful. And we don't have to mm. do it every episode. But just when it occurs, I'm going to
1: call it mm-hmm. the z That's what I'm going to call Z-Von. it. The z I love that. I love that. I love it's, that so much.
0: It's the song that you can't believe isn't more popular. The most underrated song on the album.
1: Yeah. You know what? I I want to give a retroactive z to the song Desire by Ott.
0: Great. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Uh, where's my shit? Okay, here we go. Uh, although, along with his own work, he recorded and, per- on, and performed occasional covers, including Alan Toussaint's "A Certain Girl," Bob Dylan's "Knocking on Heaven's Door," Leonard Cohen's First We Take Manhattan," Steve Winwood's "Back in the High Life Again." That is a fucking great album. Whatever the name of that mm. album that that Steve Winwood song is on, that is such a fucking good album. Uh, and I think Princess it's life will Raspberry kill Beret. What what is it?
1: I think it's on Life Will Kill You.
0: Okay, maybe. Uh, ones early music industry successes were found as a session musician, jingle composer, songwriter, touring musician, musical coordinator, and band leader. Despite all this, he struggled to break through in a solo career until his music was performed by Linda Ron beginning with her nineteen seventy-six album. Hasten Down the Wind, like Mason said earlier. This launched a cult following that lasted 25 years, with Zevon making occasional returns to album and single charts until his death from mesothelioma in 2003. He briefly found a new audience by teaming up with members of R.E.M. in the blues rock outfit Hindu Love Gods for a 1990 album, although no two were followed. He was born in Chicago, Illinois. Shout out Chicago, Illinois. Shout out chi Shout out yep. Southside. Shout out South Donda. Illinois, the son of Beverly Cope, nay Simmons, and William Zevon. His father was a Jewish immigrant from Russia whose original surname was Zivotsky. Uh, William Zivon worked as a bookie, or again, yeah, William Zivon worked as a bookie who handled volume bets and dice games for a notorious LA gangster, this is not made up, Mickey Cohen. That is real, mm-hmm. Mason. That is fucking mm-hmm. crazy.
1: He had a, he had a like, wild, desperado life. You know, like, he, he was a larger-than-life figure, and it's so funny that he, or, like, he has a larger-than-life, like, upbringing and larger-than-life, like... Backstory and parentage, and it's so funny that he became a rock star, you know, like a rock musician. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. And he was like so into like pulp books, you know, and just like kind of hard boiled fiction. Probably because like
0: that's life that life. he lived. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, he's so cool, man. I, I Lauren evan's so fucking cool. Doesn't get us too. Uh, he worked for years
0: in the Cohen crime family, in which he was known as Stumpy evan I, I literally can't make that shit up. Uh, and was the best man at Mickey Cohen's first wedding. Warren's mother was from the Church of Latter Day Saints, uh, and it's, the family that's so English
1: good, right? He's the son of a, a Mormon.
0: Mormon and a gangster. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking insane. Of course, you have to fucking <laughs> sing about werewolves in London when that's your shit. Uh, Zevon's first attempt at a solo album, "Wanted Dinner Alive," was spearheaded by 60s cult figure Kim Fowley, but received almost no attention and did not sell well. Though Zevon would continue to play occasional live dates as a solo artist, the next several years of his career were dominated by session work. During the early 70s, Zevon toured again with the uh, toured regularly with the Everly Brothers as a keyboard player, band leader, and coordinator. Later, the same decade, he toured with Don and Phil Everly separately as they tried to launch solo careers after their breakup. By September of 75, Zevon had returned to L.A. where he roomed with Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham, who at this time gained fame as members of Fleetwood Mac. Ha ha. Maybe you've heard of them. Mason, have you mm-hmm. heard of them?
1: Uh, I think so. They're, uh, yeah, it is interesting that they were Buckingham and Nicks, rather, were um, like uh, background vocalists on this album a year before Rumors comes out, you know? Yes, it's crazy. It is just, crazy to just think about.
0: Fucking crazy the connections that can happen uh, when you're in the stew. Uh, yes. He then collaborated with Jackson Brown, who produced and promoted a self titled uh, debut, major label debut, which we're talking about today. Uh, contributors to the album include Stevie Nicks, Lindsey Buckingham, Mint Fleetwood, John McVee, members of the Eagles, including uh, Don Henley, Glenn Frey, and whatever the other guy's name is. What's the third guy that was big on this? Not the JD Don Souther. Hilder. No, he was the. He, there are four Eagles. It's Don Felder, Don Henley, Glenn Fry. Not Joe mid, Walsh. Not Joe Walsh. Never mind. It's probably just Don Henley and Glenn Fry. Uh, yeah. Carl Wilson also is involved in this album, which is fucking crazy. Uh, Linda Ronstadt and Bonnie Raitt. He basically assembled the all-star team of the of like the '70s Laurel Canyon, L.A. period. Yeah. To help him on this, uh, Ronstadt elected to record many of his songs, including "Hasten Down the Wind," "Carmelita," "Poor, Poor, Pitiful Me," and "Muhammad's Radio." In 1983, the recently divorced Zevon became engaged to Philadelphia disc jockey Anita Gevinson and moved to the East Coast. After The Envoy was poorly received by critics, Asylum Records ended their business relationship with Zevon, which Zevon only discovered about when he read it in the Random Notes column of Rolling Stone. That is fucking brutal. Uh, Following these career setbacks, he relapsed into drug and alcohol abuse. In 1984, he voluntarily checked into rehab in Minnesota. His relationship with Gevinson ended shortly thereafter. Zevon retreated from the music business for several years, except for playing live solo shows during the time he finally overcame alcohol and drug abuse. During this time, Zevon uh, collaborated with Bill, Bill Berry, Peter Buck, and Mike Mills of REM, along with backup vocalist Brian Cook, to form Hindu Love Gods. As I mentioned before, the group released a non-charting single "Narrator" for IRS Records in '84. Then went into ab uh, absence. It's probably absence. I'd probably just fuck that up when I typed it. For several years, on October 30th, 2002, Zevon was featured on the Late Show with David Letterman as the only guest for the entire hour. Huge honor. Mm-hmm. Uh, the band played I'll sleep when I'm dead As his introduction Ha ha don't like that one uh, Zivon performed several songs And spoke at length About his illness Zivon has been a frequent guest And occasional substitute band leader For Letterman's show Since the late night uh, Years of 82 He noted quote I may have made a tactical error In not going to a physician For 20 years it was during this broadcast that, when asked by Letterman if he knew anything more about life and death now, he offered his oft quoted insight on dying, enjoy every sandwich. Very good quote. Uh, he mm-hmm. also thanked Letterman for his years of support, calling him, quote, the best friend my music ever had. For his final song of the evening and his final public performance, Zivon performed Roland the Headless Thompson Gunner at Letterman's request. In the green room after the show, Zivon presented Letterman with the guitar that he always used on the show with a single request, quote, Here, I want you to have this. Take good care of it. Last two quotes. Warren Zevon self-titled is the second studio album by Zevon, recorded in 75 and released May 10th, 1976 by Asylum. A remastered version with special bonus tracks was released in 2008 by Rhino reviewing in Chris Gow's record guide Rock Albums of the 70s Robert Chris Gow wrote I am suspicious of singer-songwriters who draw attention to phrases like hasten down the wind and I would suggest a moratorium on songs about the James brothers that don't that also that don't also rhyme pollution and solution but I like the way Zevon resists pigeonholes like country rock while avoiding both the banal and the mystagogical, and uh, I like quatrains like, and if California slides into the ocean, like the mystics and statistics
1: say it will, will.
0: I predict this motel will be standing until I pay my bill. That is it. I know that was a lot. There's a lot more that I didn't include. So if you thought that was crazy, there is more to find out, but those are the highlights, I think. My Mercedes Valuable Player Mason. Well, first the Zevon Award goes to Hasten down the win. My Mercedes Valuable Player, the piano playing, and my favorite track, "Desperados Under the Eaves." Love that song. That's my favorite song on the album. This gets a full recommend. Pretty easy it just occurred recommend, to recommend
1: actually. It just occurred to me, uh, Mason down the wind. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going. I'm gonna.
0: I'm gonna fucking get on another fucking plane, get into your little house right now, and kiss you to death for that one.
1: I think. my Mercedes valuable player is the man himself, Warren Zevon. I think that when I think about like the show and the goals of the show to highlight like underrated folks like Zivon is the guy that I think like is maybe the most underrated underappreciated person of his generation. And among like kind of our age set, you know, um, I, th- uh, he's, he's tremendous, tremendous, tremendous musical output, even going into the eighties. And I can imagine I'll bring on more stuff in the future, but just for Warren Zivon Mercedes valuable player is Warren Zivon the man, the myth himself. Um, easy full recommend, also easy catfish for me. I said earlier, the French Inhaler might be my favorite track, but I was looking through my notes again, and it's just, Muhammad's Radio I also love. I love every single song of this album. There's not a bad song, not a bad line, not a bad note to me. It's kind of a perfect album. It's absolutely one of my favorites, and I am just so happy that you love it too now, Chef.
0: Hee hee. Hee hee. Ha ha. I love it. Four command. Easy. Warren's Yvonne. This is better than Excitable Boy. Sorry if that pisses you off, everyone, yep. but it's true. Um, should we move on, Mason? We have something else to talk about today.
1: We do have something to talk about today. We have a movie that Noah brought on, Chef. Yeah.
0: This is called Crazy Stupid Love from 2011. Snap, 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 snap. Snap, 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 snap. Mason, two weeks ago, we talked about Dillinger is dead. Mm-hmm. Fucking sucks. Uh, last week, we talked about uh, The Deep Blue Sea. Good movie, but extremely movie. draining.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Uh, I was looking at what I was wanted to bring on. was looking at all the things I could bring on. I hadn't seen this movie since it came out in theaters in 2011. Saw it with my dad in theaters. I think I was 14 at the time when it came out. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, 14. And I was like, you know what? I haven't seen this movie in 10 years. I remember really mm-hmm. liking it in 2011 when I was 14. Let's see what's going on with Crazy Stupid Love 10 years later because it's sure. now 10 years old. So yeah. as much as this was something that I haven't seen in a long time and just you know wanted to sort of see what was going on now, it's also the 10-year anniversary I just remember really liking it at the time and I was I was mainly bringing the song because I was curious to see how it would hold up and mm-hmm. if it held up and how I think about it now if only for myself because I was actually surprised to see you had never seen this before. I was actually surprised yeah. about that.
1: Yeah, I never got around to seeing it at the time. Um I just think that uh I wasn't interested when I was in high school and watching I guess quote unquote girl movies and now that's kind of like my favorite type of movie to watch almost (laughs) stuff that you know uh this is like uh i would describe it as a dram com so a dramatic romantic comedy i think it's like probably closer on the calm side of all of that though uh and i really have like in the last couple of years started to appreciate movies from this period particularly romantic comedies for the simple fact that like either they're not coming... They don't come out in, like, big... They don't come out in theaters as much anymore. And they're usually right. just dropped on Netflix or Hulu. And they're so... People would complain. I remember, like, critics or whoever complaining in the 2000s that these movies and romantic comedies were so samey and so so anonymous. And they had no idea what was coming down the pipe. And <laughs> had no yeah. idea at all. It's just like... And it, it just... I don't get why... Like, it feels like the the romantic comedy, quote-unquote, that's making the most, like, traction that I'm seeing on, like, Letterboxd is he's all that. And I see somebody new watch that movie and somebody new either give it half a star or one star. And I'm yeah. just like, you you people don't need to watch a movie you know is going to be bad. Yeah. You know. Except if you do this podcast. <laughs> Except if you do this podcast. Or if you're seeing something like Dear Evan Hansen just to, like, kind of watch like like the just the, the sheer like kind of macabre almost uh, uh horror of how bad that thing Of how like uh, uh but you don't need to watch something that you know is just gonna be boring <laughs> um but i'd never seen this movie before and i feel like
0: was it and it was because I, it was like a girl movie at the time is that fair to say yeah
1: yeah i just and i also kind of was like very stubbornly against stuff that i thought was like which is so silly because I liked going like I liked seeing like sci-fi and like Marvel movies at this time, but like I, I liked stuff that was like a studio or whatever, or I just didn't seem interested in. You in thought the about cast this as a studio
0: movie? I love that. That is so. I know I'm so dead.
1: stupid. So I was so <laughs> stupid back then, and I, 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 I and I think that uh, truthfully, I'm dumber now. Um,
0: I would agree. I didn't even know you back then, and I have to agree about that.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're dumber than when I met you in 2019. That is for God. That is for sure. (laughs) That is for
0: sure. Um, It is a studio release, though, and that is kind of important to note that, like, the Warner Brothers and New Line Cinema logos, it's one of the first things you see in the movie. Mm -hmm. And you're right. This movie, we have our brains have been conditioned to see the Netflix logo uh, appear instead. Do you remember the movies? Not the movies, but do you remember the movie that came out, I think, in, like, 2017, Set Him Up or Set Me Up? Do you remember
1: that movie? Oh, set him up. Yeah, with uh with uh uh uh, uh god. Uh what's his name from? Yeah, Lucy Liu. Um uh uh, uh uh fucking she's Leah Thompson's daughter. Um Zoe Deitch? Zoe something? Zoe Deitch, Yes, yeah, Zoe, Zoe Deitch and Glenn. Yeah, Glenn uh personal enemy of of Ryan Kenny actually. Zoe Deitch. <laughs> what
0: the fuck? And, are you sure? Are you serious?
1: He should tell you that story sometime. Uh, cool. but, uh <laughs> but Glenn and then what's his name from what's his name from Everybody Wants Him? Glenn something or other. A guy that I an actor that I really, really like, and I Glenn actually Powell. Both of them. Glenn Powell, yeah. I like both of those as actors, and I heard that movie was pretty good, but I never I've I've also never seen it. Tay Diggs,
0: Pete Davidson, the other notable names in that movie. Oh, sure. Pete. Um It was fine. That's like a very fine movie. I remember people being like obsessed with it, probably because it like wasn't dog shit in an era where it was yeah. just like perennial dog shit rom com shit. And rom coms yeah. definitely do get a bad rap. I think oftentimes, maybe this is uncouth to say, but a lot of the time from men, I think rom coms get Agreed. a bad rap. Yeah. Yeah, did you not
1: hear what I just said 2 minutes ago?
0: <laughs> no, because I bl- I black out whenever you say anything on this podcast cuz I can't fucking take it.
1: Um so the
0: answer is I have no idea what you just said 2 minutes ago. Um but I remember seeing this in 2011 being 14 years old and just really enjoying watching it. I found it to be so entertaining. Mm. I found all it has a great cast. Like seriously awesome cast. Awesome cast. So we, yeah, we got, my notes
1: is literally just me writing down actors as they pop up and having exclamation marks next to them.
0: Steve Carell, Julianne Moore, Emma Stone, Ryan Gosling, Kevin Bacon, which is crazy. I forgot Kevin Bacon's in this movie, which is nuts.
1: Marissa Tomei, yeah. John Carroll Lynch.
0: Yes, dude, we love John Carroll Lynch representation in movies. Bro, He's a fucking he scum. shows
1: up and... Throws back that white wine. It's one of the funniest comedic. It, it made me laugh so hard when he shows up to the bar and just takes the white wine and throws it straight back.
0: Dude, he's good. He's such a good actor. He, you know he directed Harry Dean Stanton in his last movie ever. No. Oh God, Renaissance man John Carroll Lynch. I know the man is actually incredible. Uh, he, the last movie ever that Harry Dean Stanton was in was called Lucky, uh, and I think it came out in 2017 or 2018, and John Carroll Lynch directed that movie.
1: Nice, let's Thanks. give a Zvon to John Carroll Lynch. <laughs> all right, <laughs> <laughs> I'll
0: give us. All right, fine. That's fine. Um, but I am curious, Mason. We already we've mm-hmm. jumped. We've put the cart before the horse a little bit. I am. I put the mm-hmm. cart before the horse a little bit. You've never seen this before. The, before now, mm-hmm. you avoided mm-hmm. it like the plague. Back when it came out, you're mm-hmm. fifty seven years old <laughs> now. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of it? What
1: were your what were your reactions to this movie? I was pleasantly surprised with how good a time I was having watching this moving movie for 75% of it.
0: Okay, I know I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about for sure.
1: And the last twenty five percent of the movie really made me kind of Threw my guts into a knot, and it
0: just—it
1: made it difficult to kind of sit with my like. It, it made it difficult to figure out what I really feel about that movie, you know. But again, Wait, it really—it sec- affected
0: you that much.
1: It really, yeah. The but the seventy-five percent leading up to it, I was—it was such a surprise and such a treat to to like watch this movie last night and realize that I'm enjoying myself watching that movie you know what I'm saying like totally. Like I mentioned John Carroll Lynch coming in throwing the um, throwing that wine back was so funny uh, the chemistry between Gosling and Stone I thought was so good Steve Carell giving just oh he's batting a thousand in this movie so good he is so good in this I think that For the first couple of scenes that Julianne Moore is in, I kind of found her performance to be, like, pitched, like, 5% a little too, too, like, serious, if that means. Like, just slightly out of the tone of the movie. But I think she, like, comes back and has a a tremendous show at bat here. I also liked the, the teen kid... Um, I liked uh Annalie Tipton as the um as the uh, and I got a I had a big crush on Annalie Tipton and I looked it up and she's actually older than me, so I'm okay it's okay that I have a crush on her. Uh <laughs> uh But um but the last like sort of half hour of this movie when the last half hour of this movie happens, and that's when I look to my phone so I see who wrote and direct this movie. And I saw that it was directed by Dan Fogelman, the guy. It was written that by? Us. Written by
0: Dan Fogelman? Yes. Not written directing. by
1: Dan Fogelman. No, I'm sorry. Okay, if i miss, directed by two guys who work with him a lot, though. On This Is Us, Dan Fogelman is the guy that created This Is Us. If you're not familiar, and the very the last half hour or so of this movie are very Dan Fogelman in a way that just kind of made me. Uh, a little uh, sick to my stomach, kind of bored and a, and a whittle a whittle upset, but th- so much of the movie ahead of time is so funny and and quick and um kind of surprising and really charming that how disappointed I am with the last part of it. That's kind of where I'm at right now. I think I'm surprised that it was that adverse
0: of a reaction a little bit i remember being so i because i know what you're talking about you're talking about the twist right yes yes yes
1: well the twist and the, the twist it kind of i was like okay fine that really annoyed me but by the time that the four male leads were beating each other up on the lawn i'm like no this is like i kind of won me back at that point like when they're beating each other up yeah that's hilarious but that, that's awesome that's so funny but then there's like that self-serious rest of the part rest of the movie I'm more an objection to like the really self-serious kind of woe is me part of the movie and then Corral giving that speech that tells you what the movie's about because I think that you can have the scene where they're fighting and the guys reconcile and realize how stupid they're being and that's the end of the movie and it, you leave on a high note that's more of what I'm saying
0: okay I'm surprised it was that adverse of a reaction. I
1: definitely agree
0: with you that it's definitely a tone shift without a doubt. Yeah. I can't I can't argue against it not being a tone shift. It's definitely not my favorite part of the movie without a doubt. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it doesn't it doesn't really bother me, I guess, in the same way. It doesn't I don't have as much of an adverse reaction to it because I think that that is like Yeah, they're te- they it's that's what the movie's about. Quote unquote that's the aboutness of the movie that's yeah. the theme whatever you want to call that the theme the idea the the heart you know whatever you want to call that thing they get mm-hmm. to that ultimately you know maybe and it I guess it just ultimately it is just a matter of taste because I guess it just doesn't bother me as much because it's like Oh, we've done the silly thing. We've done, you know, the whatever. It's been very quick. It's this movie's so well edited. This movie has such it good it's so it's
1: yeah, it moves so fast. It's 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 very easy to watch. Um and until the end of the movie. <laughs> In my opinion, it, for my experience watching it and then after after the movie. Um but I don't want to dwell on that too much because it is ultimate like the thing that's unfortunate about it is it's such a small portion of the movie that makes me that annoyed and it really just does not sit well in my stomach and it's it's one of my pet peeves when they just kind of crank the lever like that and kind of force you to sit through like a tone shift that is so abrupt and so um you feel unearned I f- it feels kind of unearned, and I also don't think that you need to tell the audience what your movie's about, you know? I don't think that the rest of the movie is gearing you up. Like, I think the movie is gearing you up to for that to be the point, but it's not gearing you up for the point where Steve Carell makes a big speech at his son's graduation. Like, sure. that's the thing, you know? I'm not going to say that this movie is like a... a, a, a um it, it's it's i don't know if it's particularly insightful about human nature or anything or the nature of love because i don't think it needs to be i think right. that you can just have a romantic comedy that's f- funny charming s- movie stars frankly acting with each other working with Absolutely. their charisma working with their you know Agreed. working with their um um charisma and, and things like that I don't think you need to make it a message movie. And it just feels like a, a like kind of like a, a, like a public service announcement at the end almost, and it just really makes my blood turn into fucking goo. I don't
0: know, man. It doesn't really, it doesn't bother me. I guess in the same way, it just is like that's fine. It's, okay, it, that's fine. It, I mean, it's it is one like I agree. It's not my favorite aspect of the film. I definitely enjoy the first two acts much more. It's also great how. Ha- we get into this movie in a fucking snap of a finger. We're at dinner. Yeah, Steve Carell. Yeah. It's great how they introduce the two leads of this movie, the Julianne Moore and Steve Carell character yes. under the table. Yes. you're seeing other couples like under the table. Everyone's wearing like nice slacks and you know like dress shoes or high heels and a dress or whatever. And then you get to Steve Carell and Julianne Moore, and Julianne Moore is like business cat, you know business. Well, you know whatever. Maybe not like fancy, but like you know doing it okay. And then Steve she Carell looks just nice, looks like a fucking like she- schlub. Yes. yes it's so good how that's how we're introduced to these folks. And it just tells you yeah. everything you need to know. We get in it. When he, falls, he says, I'm going to jump out of the car, like, if you keep talking about this, and then he does it, it's funny. He's such a talented actor. He is so he really fucking is. good.
1: He is. He's he's truly, like, one of our greatest—he truly is a national treasure, Steve Carell is. I Agreed. I, he's, he's so— Good, and it's like, I lo- I thought that I didn't like Steve Carell for a long time, but I think I just didn't like Michael Scott, you know? You didn't like Everything. Michael Scott? I'm not a huge office guy. I'm really not a huge office guy.
0: Is that so. because of the fucking bullshit, liking the office is not a personality trait bullshit, and, like, you had to go the no, hard I just left got, turn other way?
1: No, I just uh, me may, Truthfully, maybe a little bit like that, but I just kind of got sick of seeing this guy on posters and being like... I don't know. Whenever something, whenever, like, culture at large or people I know are really into something and I just kind of have, don't kind of uh, uh, care about it one way or another, it makes me feel a little bit left out, and I kind of resent that, and maybe I let that resentment boil over in unhealthy ways. <laughs> we don't have to get into it too much. We don't have to, we don't, we're, we're not gonna, we're not gonna get into I'm just gonna put this over he, this thought down over here. <laughs> we don't have to get into it too much. It's I crazy how
0: I, I can know. just unlock that shit inside of you, Mason, with one simple question. It's almost like I'm a puppet master control. <laughs> controlling your every fucking move, and I have complete control out over your autonomy and thoughts.
1: Oh, I thought you were a Polo Bear.
0: Polo Bear. Take a photo. <laughs> Mason, take a screenshot. <laughs> For the gram. Take a screenshot of Polo Bear.
1: Polo such Bear, a, brother. This,
0: this episode's so fucked up to me in so many ways. <laughs> this is such a fucked up episode to me. I, um, I
1: think, no, I think you're right. I will. I will say... Problems with the script aside, this movie is tremendously directed and acted. Um, 100%. Yeah, I, I, and it was really a treat to just watch a movie and enjoy it. Like, just just feel like I'm having a good time watching 100%. it.
0: 100%. And, and I wanted to bring it on for that reason as well, in terms of what we had watched the last two weeks. Dillinger is Dead is this cerebral Italian film from the 60s, which is very slow and very just like patient you just have to be so patient with it. Deep Mm blue sea is this like really emotional drama based on a play which is doing a lot of stuff with form and it's very good. And I just kinda wanted to throw something out there it was like maybe I don't know a little fun to watch at a certain level. Yeah. And I saw that I the reason why I was convinced ultimately to bring this one on the show is because I was Scrolling through the giant secret list that we have in the vault where only I have the key mm-hmm. and also you only have the key and we have to turn it at the same time to open the list. It's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. and if you want to see that happen, you can Venmo me $25 and I'll fly you down to Los Angeles and we will well, I'll show you how to do it. It's fine. It doesn't yeah, matter yeah. That's
1: how much a, a flight to Los Angeles costs is $25. Well,
0: it costs $25 to fly to Los Angeles and $495 to fly back wherever you're at. So it all adds up in the first place. Yeah. Um, right. And Mason's not going to come. We're going to do it virtually, so you could probably just right. wait wherever you are and Venmo me the money and it wouldn't matter, but you have to see me do it in person because I'm addicted to the limelight. I live for the applause. And I just wanted, I like was looking at the list and I was looking at Crazy Stupid Love and I was like, I wonder what my f- people who I follow on Letterbox think about this movie because this is a movie I don't think about all that often but is very enjoyable mm. from my recollection. People were given this movie like, two stars two and a half stars and I'm like man oh man you guys just enjoy it for what it is just enjoy it have fun with this movie it's not fucking Citizen Kane or Joker (laughs) like it's no Joker like I'll give you that it's not trying to make some statement about (laughs) it's not trying to make some grand statement about mental health and society
1: or anything well it is trying to make a grand statement though at the end they try They do try and make a grand statement at the end. It would be a better movement if they didn't try to.
0: Well, you can reach out to Dan Fogelman and all of his Emmys and tell him that you don't agree.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that, yeah, if I went and said, hey, can I give you some feedback on your script for Crazy Stupid Love? He'd say, I'm sorry, I'm too busy winning another Emmy and wiping my ass with more money than you will ever make. So sorry about that.
0: Printing out, having my assistant print out screen prints of the SoundCloud to this and wiping my ass with the print screen of this episode. Yeah,
1: and he should. He should do that. We deserve that.
0: <laughs> the show well, you, deserve, that. you deserve that. I deserve love and attention. Uh, <laughs> but at the end of the day, oh, also shout out, Speaking of This Is Us, shout out to my friend Emily, who works on This Is Us. No shit. Thanks, Emily.
1: Thanks, Thanks for your Emily. work.
0: She is a, uh, a film loader, I think. She's not a second AC. No, shit. She's like something. She's utility. She's, utility. she's a utility. She's a camera utility on This Is Us.
1: Gotcha. Shout I was going to gonna say, like, I'm i was gonna say i want like film loader is i if they still have that term like then it's good for them but i'm like what is the digital version of that and utility sounds sounds cool it'd be cool to be like oh i'm i'm utility it make me think that you're like the the set robot like you're just around in case someone needs like like the set robocop basically but instead of having a gun (laughs) you shoot peter weller to death (laughs) you shoot the guest star to death
0: every time all right, thanks for doing yeah. this episode of This Is Us. We're going to shoot you to death now in a violent yeah, here's, way.
1: Yeah, here's the utility for it's on the list with with Noah and Mason. <laughs> All right, time me take a
0: photo. Got it, perfect. Um, Mason, we, you and I are playing. This is like we're recording this on a jungle gym, is how I feel about rec- is th- this episode right now.
1: Yeah, dude, this is what Sunday will do to you. This is, it's, the, it's a freaking weekend, baby.
0: This does feel fucked up to do this on a Sunday. It genuinely is like we're fucking crazy right now for doing this. Um, yeah. Steve Carell's divorced dad apartment that he rents is awesome. awesome. Mm-hmm. My parents got divorced when I was going into second grade, and I remember my dad lived in an apartment for a little bit. So I know very well what those apartments are like. They are temporary like things for when you are looking yeah. for your next permanent thing, and they yeah. fucking suck. They are ass-ass.
1: Yeah, they look, uh, when I was in kindergarten, we were moving out of my, or when I was in first grade, rather, actually, we uh, were moving into the house the house that I'm in right now, uh, but they were doing construction on it, and it hadn't been finished, so we lived for a little bit of time in a hotel, and very similar, like, divorced dad apartment energy, <laughs> living in that hotel for a month or so. I also felt seen at this movie, when I
0: watched it, Uh, In theaters because those shoes that Steve Crow wears, the New Balance 407s, Mm -hmm. I wore a pair of New Balance 407s to the movie with my dad and Ryan Gosling tearing those things to shreds in the movie. I'm like, took it personally, honestly, at the end of the day. I was like, fuck you, Ryan Gosling.
1: Yeah, little did Ryan Gosling know that it was like Normcore was like coming straight down the barrel and those things would be so, uh, so cool. Now there'd be a
0: fan cam for Cal Weaver on Twitter and stuff like that. (laughs) And he would actually be like a fucking heartthrob based on his previous look.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I was like, I know that the point of the movie and they do a very good job of. Of setting him up as this like kind of schlubby guy, uh, but I'm looking at Steve Carell sometimes. And I'm like, damn, my boy is fitted. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the he got, got that, mad drip in that two he's sizes got that two old big suit. Drip, yep.
0: <laughs> um, what else did I have fucking written down about this stupid fucking movie? Um, Josh Groban's in this movie. What the fuck is he yes! doing here? So good too. Good actor. He Josh is did you ever have a Josh Groban phase? I never listened to him ever.
1: No, only when uh, he would his his singing would be thrust upon me at like Christmas time. Because
0: uh... he's considered like a like a Christian singer, right? Is that like what he would maybe be on under the iTunes store label? Uh,
1: I maybe I don't know. Probably just like adult contemporary vocal, like adult contemporary, like Michael Buble or shit. Like that. Yeah, exactly. Like closer to that. But he seems to have like a little better, like kind of sense of humor about himself than a lot of those guys do. Oh, totally. You know? Seth (laughs) MacFarlane. As a crooner. Has Josh Groban ever been on Family Guy? Hold on. He's got it, right? Hold up. (laughs) I'm Googling Josh Groban
0: Family Guy right now. Josh Dad Family Guy. How about that? (laughs) <laughs> How about that? Josh Groban does Family Guy's Stewie 106.7 Light FM. Josh Groban is Stewie Griffin August 24th,
1: 2011. Wow, right in t- right When did this movie come out in 2011? Was this a summer release? Uh, I'll look here in just I feel a like second. It was fall. Josh Groban on Twitter, January 4th, the day before
0: my birthday, 2017. Hey. Bahaha, Stewie gets it. And then it's a quote retweet. It's a quote retweet of this account at Ariel Garcia. Stewie is me as hell! Two exclamation points! I love at Josh Grobin so much. Josh Groban, bahaha! Stewie gets hit.
1: Kind of rock cool. and roll. Very cool. Uh,
0: what else is important to note about this movie? Uh, I know you don't like the back twenty-five percent. The back, you know, whatever of this. Uh, I remember loving the twist of this movie, and I remember I had seen mm-hmm. two other movies in a similar time frame that had twists with my dad, whether it was just at home or at the theaters. And I remember mm. we both agreed that the twist in this movie was better than the twist in the other two movies, where you would expect like a really good twist. They were like sci-fi ish, you know. They were like movies where you would think like a twist would be more prevalent. So. I know that's, that's maybe right. the biggest disagreement point that we have about this, uh, but I really enjoyed the, enjoyed the twist at the time, thought it was really unexpected, and obviously I knew it was going to happen this time, so it couldn't have the same effect on me since I knew it, you know, going mm-hmm. in, but I still enjoyed that moment. I love seeing everyone else realize what's happening in that moment. I love how things change in that moment.
1: Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, I think my favorite twist is a cinnamon twist from Taco Bell
0: um let's see <laughs> okay oh i love the uh scene the only time we ever see cal at work is when the entire office realizes that he's getting a divorce i love that's, that scene
1: that seems so funny that seems so and that's i think dan um what's his name he's on fraser he plays a uh, bulldog dan butler uh is, as his boss it's so, so funny um that seems awesome I'm just gonna go through my notes here And try to f- Cause again I think like So much of this movie I really really did like I love Pretty good needle drops in this too You got This must be the place Popping up in a In a good position
0: That's it, uh, I thought that was a weird needle drop But I was like Holy shit They're dropping talking head That's crazy
1: Yeah uh, But he's like Clean He's like Fixing up his house You know This must be the place His house oh, Okay oh, um, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay Uh um, it
0: came out on July 29th, 2011. So it was a summer yes. release, actually.
1: So he was doing the rounds and, and showed up on Family Guy to promote this movie. Um, yeah. Let me see. Um, oh, I have in my notes here, Stone and Gosling equal cute. They are cute. And it's nice that they have acted a couple other times, because I think that they have very easy chemistry together. Was this their first uh, collab? Gotta be, right? Um, yeah, because
0: what are the other ones? La La Land and Gangster Squad?
1: Yes. Yeah, so this had to have been
0: the first one, because Gangster Squad is 2013. Never saw that movie, but it looked awesome when I was, however however old I was. Yeah,
1: that was a classic case of the trailers looking really good, and then apparently the movie was actually not very good. They pushed that movie back, uh, because there was a scene... I guess where gangster shot up a movie theater, and wouldn't you know it, that happened in real life. <laughs> a how, guy shot up a movie theater?
0: How? How could that have ever happened in America, Mason? How could that have ever fucking happened?
1: You know. hate to see it. Uh, I did also write in the notes this this kid has the same haircut as I did when I was thirteen, so it was nice to have a little bit of representation.
0: <laughs> can we make? Can we make the? Uh episode art for this the ep- the uh, photo of you with the cast on beating the guy from Monty Python
1: oh yeah absolutely That'd be, this is the perfect time to do this so that the audience can see what I uh, what I looked like back then
0: yeah when you had a full head of hair to your name
1: yeah yeah when I did
0: um, I feel like honestly like uh, in summation this is a very entertaining movie that is fun to watch it's extremely well executed on a technical level I think the script is fine I understand where you're coming from, though, Mace. I can see what you're saying. Uh, But I think this is a fun watch. Uh, I think if you didn't watch this when you were younger because it was whatever, you thought it was like gross or you thought it was stupid or you thought it was a girl movie and you had weird opinions like that, uh, Mm -hmm. I would say check this out. I mean, I'm not going to say what my recommendation is quite yet, but I think this is absolutely worth... Your time, if for some reason you decided you didn't want to watch this back in the day when it first came out, and it's turning 10 years old this year, so check it out.
1: Yeah. Perfect time to check that movie out. Um, that's about, yeah, I th- my summation is, like what I said at the top, 75% of this I'm having a good time. The back half I'm really just getting... Uh, uh, Bored Cucked. and annoyed, and I'm just checking cocked absolutely. You know what a cuckold is? <laughs> I'm a cuckold. <laughs> You're getting,
0: I think they say that like eight times or something crazy. They say cuckold yeah. like eight fucking times, all by Steve Carlin. yeah Yeah.
1: Uh,
0: they also say David Lindenhagen like twenty times or something like that.
1: What a great name, David Lindenhagen.
0: That scene between you know? the the son and David Lindenhagen, where he's like. My mom is going to get yeah. back with him. That scene's awesome. That kid is great in yeah. that
1: scene. Uh, I think that kid is... Uh, what this letter A stands for? I think it stands for assholes. Because love makes you... Uh, it's a lot of it makes is, Love is for assholes or something like that. What did you say? I don't know, but you destroyed it.
0: <laughs> Whatever it was, you fucking annihilated it. I will say... Uh,
1: yeah. The the, the twist uh, towards the end of the movie, I did, did not like. But the twist at the parent-teacher conference really got me good.
0: That I've had forgotten about and that is also a great. Uh, The kid's name is Jonah Bobo. (laughs) That is the kid's name who plays Robbie. Uh, That kid's pretty good. Uh, Okay, here we go. Crazy Stupid Love, 2011 American romantic comedy film directed by directing pair. It's always interesting when there's a directing pair who aren't related. Yeah. And this is that. Glenn Ficarra and John Requa. Do you think that's how you say that? Rayquah? I don't know. Rayquah, John John, John Redman, Method Man. Uh written by Dan Fogelman, starring Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling, Julianne Moore, Emma Stone, Marissa Tomei, and Kevin Bacon. Kevin it Bacon. follows a recently separated man who seeks to rediscover his manhood and is taught how to pick up women at bars. This film was released by Warner Brothers on July 29, 2011. Mason, how much do you movie or excuse me, fuck. How much money do you think this movie made?
1: Uh, I spoiled it for myself by looking at the w- Wikipedia for uh, Crazy Stupid Love a couple of minutes ago. But tell the audience how much movie this money this movie made.
0: Fifty million dollar budget, one hundred and forty two million dollars. Insane. Nuts. 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 Literally unfathomable. Ten years later, yeah. for this yeah. kind of movie to make that back, and p- pandemic aside, you know, like. Right. Insane that this movie made more than double its shooting budget. Crazy. Mm -hmm. But who knows? Maybe by their standards, that's a fucking L for them because they're insane. Uh, Dan Fogelman started writing the screenplay in 2009 about love um, among a group of people. It is based on his own experiences and was written with Steve Carell in mind. After Fogelman sent it to his manager, within a week, Carell read it and came aboard the project. That's always got to feel good. When you're like, man, I really want this guy to be in this movie. I like wrote the part for him. You send it to the mm-hmm. guy that you want, and then it like he's m- basically immediately on board. That's got to be an amazing if
1: you yeah. Know. yeah, I agree. I think it would be really cool if um, Tom Waits was in it was in this the script that I'm writing called um, Happy Birthday. It's about a clown. I don't know. <laughs> Called cool. Noah takes. Tom a... Waits is going to be in the new Paul Thomas Anderson movie. It's cool that PTA got Tom Waits to come out for that.
0: The movie is called Noah takes a dumper. <laughs> <laughs> the movie You're is right. called Noah takes a dumper. Hold on. Can you hold on for just one second?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm right here.
0: The movie is called Noah <laughs> takes a d- <laughs> takes a dumper. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm sorry oh. I'm sorry Mason I'm sorry No you're not I'm not at all I think you deserve that Um, <laughs> I think you deserve that More than anyone knows I know you better than anyone Principal photography Took place in Los Angeles California Filming started On April 16th 2010 Lasted for 53 days That's
1: a long time To shoot a movie That is a long time actually. Almost two weeks Two months I mean, Almost two weeks I mean <laughs> Bye. Later, everybody. All right. See
0: you guys. Uh, locations included Westfield Century City Mall, Ventura Boulevard, and the Hollywood Hills, where Jacob's House is located, Taft High School in Woodland Hills, Mason's Back, Portola Middle School in Tarzana, Grant High School in Van Nuys, which stood for Robbie and Jessica's campuses, El Torito Grill at the Sherman Oaks Galleria. Let's fucking go for Woo-hoo. El Torito Grill at the Sherman Oaks Galleria. Uh, and Equinox Equinox Fitness in Woodland Hills, which became the sports club featured in the film. Before editing, the original cut
1: of this movie, Mason, over three hours long. Uh, Here's my question with that. Whenever people post that, do you think it's just like the assembly that they put? You know, like, oh, we have three hours of footage here before they get like really into the nitty-gritty and cut and shit that needs to get cut out? Or do you think it, there was three hours worth of... Do you think there was a 180-page script that they were working off of?
0: No, I think what that means is that it was a... They did the they put the assembly up and then they let the directors have first cut at it and then the director's like first cut was one hundred and eighty minutes long. That's what I think that usually means. And then notes from trusted sources and studio made them say, Hey, you gotta put this bitch under two hours.
1: And they did. I see. Okay.
0: And I'm they glad didn't. it wasn't over three hours. It's an hour and fifty eight minutes, which actually is kind of long for a movie like this, to be honest with you. But it doesn't feel that way, I don't mm-hmm. think.
1: I agree. What else we got here?
0: Roger Ebert. Snaps. Our boy. Your, uh, well, your boy. Uh, I think he's fine. Roger Ebert, I actually like him a lot. Roger Ebert gave Crazy Stupid Love three out of four stars and remarked that, quote, it is a sweet romantic comedy about good-hearted people. Agreed. A.O. Scott of the New York Times gave the film four out of five stars and wrote, Crazy Stupid Love is on balance, remarkably sane, and reasonably smart. Kind of a weird review. Uh, Betsy Sharkey of the LA Times gave the film four out of five stars as well and said that it, quote, conjures up bittersweet magic of first loves, lasting loves, lost loves, and all the loves in between. However, some reviewers were less favorable, such as Christy Lemire of the AP Associated Press. Christy who wrote, Lemire. Quote, okay, a little Lemire. Uh, it never gets crazy or stupid enough to make you truly fall in love with it, giving the film two out of four stars. And James Roche, Rochey, maybe like yeah probably Rokie, of MSN Broke. movies was particularly critical giving it one out of five stars and remarking mm. that it is quote a star studded lump of fantasy and falsehood
1: that to me is some big BS right there with my reservations being noted I think that's still kind of a harsh review I don't think Agreed. that's fair
0: that's someone who just doesn't enjoy themselves at the movies I think actually at a that is level. a guy that
1: needs to take a nap
0: the guy needs to take a dump. Uh, the thinkers <laughs> offered a free iPad on set <laughs> to whoever came up with the title of the movie. That's fucking wild. Steve Carell has said that he hates the title of the film, stating that he couldn't imagine a group of college guys saying five tickets to Crazy Stupid Love, please, which is fair. I think that's yeah. an extremely fair thing to say, and I think he's actually Steve right. Steve Carell had my mindset, yeah. like One of the working titles Carell preferred was The Wingman, which he felt was a boring mm. title, but more accurately described the film's plot, and I agree. But it is boring, so I actually probably would have rather seen a movie called Crazy Stupid Love than The Wingman.
1: What if it was just called Wingman? What if you took that? Def- what if you dropped the the, made it just Wingman? I don't know. I don't know. I don't fucking know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Robbie's class is studying The Scarlet Letter. The novel is the basis for Emma Stone's previous movie, Easy A. Pretty good movie. Also, actually. Movie oh shit! Oh, I didn't put that together. That's cool. It's funny. Glenn Ficarra and John Requa are directors, producers, and screenwriters known for writing Cats and Dogs, Bad Santa, and the 2005 mm. remake of Bad News Bears. I really like that remake. Actually, I think that's actually a fun movie to watch. The 2005 remake. Have you seen that?
1: I have no. I haven't seen that. That was, that movie came out big in my facets summer, so I was just like watching like. I was watching like foreign movies Like for kids basically uh, And not seeing things like the Bad News Bears Or the Sandler remake of The Longest Yard And also that was also when I was doing a lot Of listening to Ebert and Roper Podcast and they weren't too Keen on those movies so I was like I am never going To see this oh,
0: what, what, nice a wild, what a wild fucking
1: guy You must have been back then I was a I, Listen I uh, I was uh, not a lot of fun.
0: <laughs> I would have loved to have known you back then so I could give you a big kiss and say, please loosen up, goddammit. Please, Mason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I love you, buddy. Uh, Requa and Fakara direct... Thank you. Uh, Requa and Fakara directed Jim Carrey and Ewan McGregor in their screenplay, I Love You, Philip Morris. I've never seen that, actually, but that's actually been on my list for a long time. Have you seen that?
1: Yeah, me too. No, no, no. I'm curious about
0: it, though. I am as well. It actually sounds interesting. Uh, for their writing on this film, Requa and Fikara received the nom- a nomination for the WGA Award for Best Adapted Screenplay. Requa and Fikara graduated from the film program at the Pratt Institute in the early 90s, where they met and went to work in animation to start their careers. They wrote numerous episodes of The Angry Beavers and The Wild Thornberries early on. No shit. Huh. Yeah.
1: Cool. That would explain why there's like, I do think that there's like a good visual sense in this movie. Totally. Um, you know, and I think that the, the coming from an animation background where... Uh, uh, Every frame matters, matters a lot even
0: more so than live action
1: Yeah exactly It makes a lot of sense
0: Mason that's all the fast facts I have Who what or which is your Mercedes valuable player for this And do you recommend this movie
1: My Mercedes valuable player is um, The uh, uh, The I'm going to call it I'm going to say it this way Is the Gazai eye for the Corel guy sequence I think that those <laughs> two I like that That is very yeah. good those are, uh, I, uh, Gosling is so funny. I think an underappreciated comic actor not used in that capacity a, a hell of a lot, but he's Agreed. so good when he like in the, in uh, the nice guys in this, uh, and Carell is also one of the best comic actors just in the last of his generation, we'll say, but I think just, just at least in the millennium and seeing them work off each other. So funny. Um, I, on balance, I am going to recommend this movie. I, it was basically up until the record and talk, actually talking about it, when I was figuring out how I actually felt about it. But if I, I liked. Uh, most of it and I think it's fair to recommend it just if you are going to watch this maybe you're not going to have as intensive a reaction as I did to the last half of this just really 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 bugged me personally and almost almost ruined it for me but not quite I think that on balance on the whole good movie good movie, last half movie or last act I'm sorry last act last 25% of it Um, on really really entertaining watch
0: I love Gazai for the, Steve for the Steve guy or the Carell guy. What did you say?
1: Gazai for the Carell guy.
0: Yeah, that's really good. Uh, I'm actually going to take it one step further and say not only is Steve Carell one of the best comic actors of all time, I think he's one of the best actors of all time. He is scary in Foxcatcher. He is, yeah. sc- he is a intense scary deeply troubling man in that movie. And to yeah. see him be able to do that and do something like Crazy Stupid Love or Michael Scott, <laughs> video mm-hmm. essay, Michael uh, Michael Scott is actually more evil than John DuPont. I broke it down. <laughs> 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 um, I think he's one of the best actors. I've, I think he's one of the best actors of all time. I truly believe that. I think he is amazing. Uh, I think comedy is... I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. Redacted. Redacted. <laughs> screech slam Uh, but he's my Mercedes viable player for this movie easily Uh, I don't know if the movie works as well as it does without him personally Mm -hmm. Um, I think he is the reason it works as well as it does and I'm also going to give this movie a regular old recommend not going to give it a full recommend uh, but it is a deeply entertaining watch Uh, if you have a SO in your life significant other I think it would be a very fun watch with them if you have a sweetie pie in your life Mason's my sweetie pie, even though I want him dead in the ground. Uh, but he's my sweetie pie. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this is fun. It's a very fun movie to watch. Be a great like night in watch if you just want to watch something that's like fun. Yeah. So cozy, Get this movie. Cozy. Extremely cozy. Pop this on at like 8 o'clock. Over by ten. You know. Mm -hmm. fuck (laughs) you can fuck after afterward and then maybe pass out make sure to pee after sex so you don't get an infection Mm -hmm. (laughs) but uh, this gets a regular little recommend from me and I think that's the show
1: that is is the show. Thanks for listening, everybody. You can send us an email. Everybody wants to, the number two, get on the list at gmail.com. Or you can find us on your social medias, on your Instagrams at it's on the list. It's on underscore the list on Twitter. Uh, it's on the list pod. And uh, you or you could just uh, send us a letter uh, by the mail. You can't do that yet. We'll see. Uh, Mason, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at HotDogToBicky or on Letterboxed under my name. Or on my now completed podcast, The Barn, a podcast about The Shield. You can also go over to my newly set up uh, Teespring account, Mason-MerchGuire.Creator-Spring.com. Links in my description on Twitter and Instagram. Help me out. Buy a shirt, buy a sticker, buy something, and it'll send us some money my way. Right now, I have one design on there uh, that I'm calling Manifesto, and the manifesto is all beer should be $1. So you can get that on a sticker, you can get that on a shirt or a a sweater. Might have some more stuff up by the time this episode drops, but you can find that information on my social medias where it is linked. Um, and that is that on that. Oh, just a quick recommendo. Uh, I got rained, uh, I got rained on at the album release show on, uh, Friday, but that album is Macy Stewart's Mouthful of Glass. Uh, tremendous musician, tremendous album, uh, in the same, like, kind of scene as, um, Liam Kazar I'm wearing my Liam Kazar shirt right now. Would really recommend that album. Very, um... Uh, 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 sort of uh, very very good very ethereal um, uh, good for listening to the fall on fall days but that's it for me I think Noah
0: what do you got definitely send us an email everybody wants to the number two get on the list at gmail.com we love the emails we will read that num- we will probably read it on the show there is not a lot of situations where I don't think we would but I reserve the right, right. to read your email on the show uh, if yeah. it sucks If it fucking sucks, I'm not going to read it on the show. But send them in. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to, the Mm -hmm. number two, get on the list at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Letterboxd, Giant Snake, Birthday Cake, Large Fried Chocolate Shake. There we Uh, go. You can listen to my other podcast, my favorite podcast, the podcast about people's favorite things. This week, dance. My guest's favorite Mm. spiritual activity with Mm. Haley Bergeson. We Mm -hmm. love Haley Bergeson very good episode. I think I'm going to edit that episode right after we're done uh, recording this. So a long night ahead for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's it as far as plugs are concerned
1: for me. Mason, take us out. Folks, tell someone you love them this week. Do something you love this week. And we will see you all next week for a very special episode. A very special episode next week.
0: Bye. We both came down with an acute case. When the lights came up at two,
1: I caught it with a glimpse of you. And your face looked like something death brought with him in his suitcase. Your pretty face, you look so. Hey!